Alright. So. Oh, we're not ready. We're, we're trying to go live. You're trying to keep it live? <laughs> yeah. Alright. My wife's She's like, I can't see you. I'm like, it's not about me. <laughs> see you real well. You just let her know she could see me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the important thing, right? She's like, I don't want to see Kevin. <laughs> She's like, I'm done with that, dude. Hey, everyone. Thanks for sticking around with us today. Yes. Um, if you're not familiar with who we are, we are Two Dope Teachers and a Mic. And today we have three mics. We have three mics. Yeah, we're Two Dope Teachers with three mics. There we go. The mics outnumber us. We have to play zone defense now. <laughs> <laughs> we got to play zone defense. Zone defense. Um, I am Gerardo Munoz. It's your boy, Kevin Adams. And we are merely two public school teachers from the city of Denver. Uh, here to talk about intersectional justice and um, anti-oppressive pedagogy in schools. I love the way you said that. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> I might have changed the mission statement a little bit. That's all right. That was we're good. We're here trying to trying to sound a little bit woke. <laughs> a little bit. Um, speaking of performative wokeness, yes. uh, that that's a little bit of what's been going on here. We have a couple of uh, fantastic guests here. Uh, fellas, would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Micah Cruiser. I just graduated high school. Um, I'm a student out of Washington State, around the Seattle area. I'm excited for this opportunity to be here and to be talking. Glad to have you. My name is Terry Jess. I'm a teacher at the school he went to in Bellevue High School uh, in Washington State. And yeah, I'm doing a couple of workshops here. It's been great so far. Thanks for having us. Love y'all's show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, what's that? So, um, Terry, you presented this morning. What did you uh, present on? Yeah, so I did two workshops. The first one I've been doing for a few years with my colleague Luke Michener. Uh, it's called the Primer for Anti-Racist White Educators. Oh wow! Um, we for, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we we were finalists for the Social Justice Activist of the Year Award at this conference a few years ago, and it was a distinct privilege to just be around the educators of color who were the fellow nominees. And through some conversations about what they were seeing in this work, they asked us. You know, like, what are y'all doing and how are you doing this? And can you please get more white folks to be doing this? Um, and so, thank you. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like, they gave us like no notice. They're like, hey, tomorrow we'd like you to present about this. And we're like, okay. So we went back and, you know, got on one of our hotel beds and just started pounding out, you know, what are, the, what are these things that we do um, that educators of color um, find respectful and find valuable as a white person in this space? And how do we share that with others? And we came up with 10 principles that form the primer. It's on YouTube. You look up Terry Jess. Very uh, good. Terry Jess on YouTube, y'all. Get it. Not to plug myself. <laughs> we go. Always. That's what it's about. But when, when we do the good work, we have to be willing to talk about it a little bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. So, I mean, the space really is for white educators. Um, and this time, the conference actually made it a white affinity space. Yeah, I noticed that. That was yeah. cool. That was yeah, really cool. It, it made me a little uneasy because, yeah. like, a lot of times I think white affinity spaces are designed for white folks' comfort. Yes, yes. Uh, but for us, it was to protect further harm being done by these white educators to educators of color. Um, every time we've done this workshop, something's been said that's that's been centered in whiteness, that's distracted from the conversation and has um, harmed other people. I can appreciate that, you know, from my perspective of it, being involved in other conferences, it inevitably happens where, you know, usually a white participant says something that kind of ruffles everybody's feathers and they want to defend it, you know, and justify it and swing other people's minds. So when I saw that you were creating this space, I was like, oh, wow, that's cool that, you know, there's space for the conversations to happen authentically, but not for the microaggressions that often emerge. Um, so what inspired you to get into this work? 
Um, you know, I've been, I would say about it. Uh, <laughs> in high, in college, right, like I was becoming an educator. I actually was in the ministry before okay. uh, and was kind of driven out with the hypocrisy and like hatred and things that are too often prevalent there rather than love. Um, and I was trying to figure out what I want to do and I want to be an educator. Uh, and as soon as I started getting involved, I started thinking about like, I don't know how to teach everyone. Yep. <laughs> I know how to I know how to teach people like me. Yeah, yeah. that's right. right. That's right. I don't know how to teach everyone and so getting exposed to just that reality and then hearing from some great people. Uh, Tim Weiss came to my college, went to University of Idaho, go Vandals. Uh, <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a great college of ed. Um, but Tim Weiss came and spoke and he, you know, issued this challenge based off Angela Davis, right? Of yep. it's not enough to be not racist, you need to be actively anti racist and so I entered in my first year of my career seven years ago with that focus in mind of like, how do I interrupt these systems? Uh, and it took a while to you know, get security in my job and, and my own courage to come up to actually address these issues. Um, but throughout those years that I was still hesitating, my students of color, my female students, my LGBTQ students, yep. they were telling me the stories about what they were experiencing. Yep. You know, you can't unhear those things. Uh, and it just drove me to want to have a larger role. And so, Mike, were you one of Terry's students? Yep. Yeah, I was. And so what, is it, what did it mean to you of having a, a, a white teacher who was an ally? How did that impact your educational experience? So one thing about the town that I live in, he works in, is it's very like heavily predominantly white. Yes. And so when I moved there, I'm originally from Wisconsin, it's, it was like unnerving. It was different. It was like yep, too yep. different. It's like, whoa. I like, can relate to that I, experience. It's like, there's no one that looks like me. Like, literally no one. Like, I ask Kevin about how he one other from, kid. From, mm -hmm. at, from Georgia. Atlanta. From Atlanta to Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Yeah, that's, that's a change. <laughs> that's a big show. Anything with the same ranch on it, like, oh, it's going to be problematic. It's going to be problematic. No one. That's the whitest-sounding name of the town. Yeah, it is. Highlands Ranch is pretty, yeah. It's pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like But I can relate. I can relate. But having Mr. Jess as a teacher, he was just, like, open about it, too. And I think that was another thing is... He, since he was white, usually, like, I feel like, um, like, educators or people who are trying to be woke don't want to, like, like, especially if they're white, don't want to appear too woke or don't yep. want to show that off, maybe, because they're afraid of critique from other white people um, or, yeah, or just being, like, struck down, maybe being critiqued because of those views. I think that's a big thing. So seeing him so active and, like, ready to share and be, and, like, welcoming everyone into his class, like, was just like awesome to see in like a high school where there's no like one other kid I know like of color basically. So. so yeah, I think that's really an interesting thing to think about. So you attended a school that you describe as basically being predominantly white, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, what was your experience there, and how did you experience um, yourself, um, your own identity as a, as a young person of color, but also how did you experience whiteness in this school? Um, well, so for myself. Um, living in Bellevue and going to this school it's like uh, technically I am biracial my mom is okay. white and my dad is black so like okay. so there's people who like to identify with that and like explain that and like talk about that and stuff but yep. for me it's yep. always been you're black like yep. that's yep. the way yep. I've been treated yep. I'm sure yep. you understand people yeah. who are biracial yeah there's no passing there's no right? passing, there's no passing. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because like I'm half but I'm pushed to like yeah but ain't nobody gonna look at you and no be like oh look at that white dude <laughs> <laughs> <Right. So, laughs> exactly so it's like not exactly like like, people objectify you um, 
they view you in a certain way. Like a lot of people, like I remember growing up there, people would tell me like, oh, like I'm not black enough because their idea of black yep. is yep. like yep. the stereotypical like movie thug, like gangster. They right. want to see what they see in hip hop. Yeah, they want to yeah. see yeah. like what yeah. they see in hip hop yeah. videos. What's made up to get yep. views yep. and money? Yep. Like that's yep. what they're they're imagining. So it's like interesting to see how like people will be disappointed when you're not like this spectacle when you're not like this Mm. um like i almost think um like in birth of a nation how um the guy wore blackface like that sort of thing is like stagnant in america where they just want to see black people like in bamboozled yep (laughs) like in bamboozled (laughs) they just want to see black people doing like things to amuse them um but they're not willing to like support black people i I think that's absolutely right we've we've talked about this about how uh particularly young black males, disproportionately, you get to be the thug or the funny guy. That's right. Yeah. Right? And, that's right. and that, those are the roles that, that classrooms, the workplace, that the world carves out that's for right. you. Yeah. And so I hear you talking, like basically articulating that, saying that I don't fit anybody's definition mm-hmm. of blackness, and that kind of created some, some tensions from multiple sides, it sounds like. Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What, what's next for you? Um, I'm going up to college. I want to yeah. study environmental science. Very good. Yeah, save the. Yo, earth. you want to see <laughs> inequality first. and a great fight for justice, man? Look at look what's happening in the world. You know, <laughs> yes. for real. Yeah. yeah. Oh yes. yes. Hopefully, when I'm older, settle down. I want to be a teacher. And there help. you go. Bring it. All up. right. We love, we love to hear that. We love to hear that. I think because I feel like after you, like as an adult, I want to spend time learning things, and then once yeah. I've learned, I feel like I've learned a lot. I want to be able to bring that to the next generation. Oh, that's beautiful. Love that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful serve the community Thank you. um is is it weird being at a conference with a whole bunch of teachers do your friends yeah. think it's weird they're like oh, it's it's fun so wait, it's honestly so funny. bro it's you're fun. in houston with a bunch of teachers what's up <laughs> <laughs> exactly. like, what are you doing senior stuff? i'm going to an nea conference i'm, I'm gonna go to a conference with like a thousand teachers i'm hanging out with teachers <laughs> that's right yo teachers are dope though teachers mm-hmm. are yeah. i mean so, not all of us <laughs> not all maybe maybe but not even like all the some ones of us. here are all, dope. all the teachers here are dope yeah we, we got dope teachers out here right that's right that's right teachers not two that's right. That's right. There's at least three up fight. here and five more out there, right? Six more. Yeah. <laughs> so, Terry, um, how do you deal with your colleagues who push back? Your white colleagues who push back? Couldn't that just be his colleagues? Our colleagues in, in general. <laughs> how do you deal with that when, they, when they're like, well, I don't see all, all. I treat all. Here's what we get all the time. I treat all students the same. All of my students, I treat the same. I have the same expectations for all of my students. And that's the fairest way to be. Yep. I shouldn't change anything. How do you yep. deal with that pushback? Yeah. Well, we had one that said he had no implicit bias. No, and we're like, right. oh, what's that like? <laughs> that was impressive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty aggressive, right? I call that bullshit on the yeah, spot. I can tell. Like, um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and fortunately, I've been able to like weasel my way into leadership positions in our building of like deciding PD. I infiltrate. Right. Yeah. There we go. So, but we still have it. I mean, we've we've been doing the racial equity work for three years, and I still had a teacher. Um, say, like, I, I just don't see color, so I don't see how this is applicable to me. Um, and, you know, and so, like, I'll, I'll put in the one-on-one time if they're actually willing to listen and hear it. Um, but my number one thing is encouraging teachers to listen to their students. Yeah. Right? You can't say that you don't see color when your students of color say they feel hyper-visible in your yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always the interesting contradiction. Yeah. I feel with like that. if you say you don't see color, like, that's a job for the ophthalmologist, not for, like... <laughs> Not for not for a school leader. It's yeah. like you need to see a doctor if you can't see color. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some wires crossed in your brain. Something's happening. That, right? yeah. It's just I mean it's just an uh, easy cop out and a lie. 
Um, you know, everybody yep. notices yep. it. You, yep. you can't yep. you can't avoid it, right? It doesn't matter how much. But we had an entire generation of teachers that were trained that way, right? Yeah. Like we're not going to talk about race. We're not going to do this. And so I have a little bit of grace for those. Who are like this is like new to me, and like I'm having to change it and I'm challenging myself. Like I got a little bit of grace for you, and we can come along and do that. But if you're going to just use it as an excuse to reject it, like my mission is to get you out of my building. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's such a great line to draw too. Um, so the part of the session that you did had to do with uh, white allyship and that kind of thing. What is it? Because you, we hear this a lot, right? Like our our district is something like eighty-seven percent white women, right? Yes. Or like white teachers, maybe not white women, <laughs> but mostly white. Uh, women. But but mo- and most of those are white women, right? Um, and so we we hear this a lot. I want to be an ally. I want to help. I want to support. What do I do? Um, and sometimes I'm kind of caught because I'm like. I don't know I, what a white person is. I don't know. <laughs> like, like I know what I experience as a brown-skinned man, yep. but I don't necessarily, I don't know how you experience race. So what what is kind of the um, the uh, Cliff Notes version of your of your session on how to be an effective ally? Sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the principles that we talk about is learn and that the responsibility for your ignorance on race in the United States is not the responsibility of your peers of color, or colleagues of color to teach you. So, you know, you got to do your own research. And, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, I grew up in a system that taught me a colonized version of history that, you know, put white people at the top. But it's a different thing to be an adult and have resources like when they see us in 13th. And Oh, my God, the Internet. Yeah. All of it. (laughs) Look it up. All of it's there. So, like, all all the voices of color that you were missing in your education and your socialization, they're there now. And you got to make that choice to educate yourself. Um, but when it comes to allyship, I really don't like that word, right? Like, we need to move to be accomplices. Yes. Uh, right. Oh, we've been That's talking right. about that. That's yeah. Co-conspiracy. Yeah, exactly. How are we going to tear this down yes. together? <laughs> and, and for, you know, those white teachers that want to be involved in the work, they have to figure out how do they absorb the risk of doing this work um, without taking all the credit and taking yep. all the space. Yep, yep, yep. So I think that's, that's a really that's important point. That's a big ask. It's it a is. Really big but but I th- and, I, and I, I think we both so appreciate you sort of questioning the wisdom of the word allyship because when I think of an ally, I think of somebody who's retweeting things for mm-hmm. me yep. and who's yep. kind of standing like off to the side, way yeah. over They're there, far saying, away. Oh, yeah. "Yo, don't tell anybody, but I think you're okay." I, 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 yeah, you know. I got your back behind closed doors. Yeah, yeah. When it goes yeah. down. Don't don't look yeah. for me. But yeah. but like but yeah, co-conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think Alicia Garza talked about that in um, in the foundation of Black Lives Matter and, yep. and how. Um, there's this kind of wave of um, white progressives who wanted to support Black Lives Matter. And so she says, fine, just stop standing on the sidelines. You know, you have to look at ways to disrupt these oppressive systems. Yep, yep. That's amazing. And, you know, just being an educator of color and showing up is a risk every single day. And white folks need to learn how to experience that discomfort of taking on that risk, being the one who sends that all staff email, right? That ain't supposed to be sent. Yep. 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 Right. But you're sending that like, hey, we're making you aware it's Black Lives Matter week. Get out your shirts. Like, here's these lessons materials. You know, they don't want that out there. And you can get in trouble for that. Do it anyway. Right. Don't make an educator of color be the one asked to send that email. Yeah. There's something dope going on in the state of Washington. I, I was wondering, is, is it, what, what's in the water? LM in schools. What's, and, what's in the and, water? And, and, and Caitlin, who said, I'm just. Oh, no, y'all yeah. got it. No, it's interesting. In terms of, I mean, like, and for us, the movement, y'all yeah. making real moves. I mean, you know, and, and there's no movement without problems, right? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. so, like, if there were no problems, there'd be no movement, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, but when we look at Colorado, um, Colorado is a really similar kind of, like, 
profile is the state of Washington. My sisters lived there for over a decade, and it's amazing how many things are in common. Yep, yep. Um, but, man, we're so far behind you. Because, like, some of these things, like, I'll still get the thing. You've seen this, where I'll send that email, right? And... <laughs> The, reply, the supportive replies I get are just to me. <laughs> yeah, that's it's right. Like, Not to everybody a, else. Hey, I'm so glad you said what you said. I'm like, Keep it on can, the low. Can Don't you let tell know. the other 75 people on this email chain that you're happy that I said what I said? Because I think, you know, because that's it's it sort of ghettoizes us. It sticks us in this one spot, you know, and now now we're the dark-skinned radicals who, like, <laughs> just say stuff and nobody responds, you know. Well, talking about whiteness and colorblindness, right? How come they reply all to, hey, there's cookies in the teacher's <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but they, Very quickly. They figured out real quick how to make sure to only hit reply solo. Yep. It's <laughs> like, yo, I want one. Yep. Yo, I want one. Yep. I want one right now. Yeah, definitely. It's, <laughs> it's an amazing thing. So, Mike, how does how has uh, Micah. 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 I'm sitting. I'm looking at his tag right here. I'm like, say the brother's so, name. <laughs> sorry, sorry. This is what he does. Uh, but Micah, <laughs> how how you know g- growing up in this school, this white environment, mm-hmm. how did you find your identity? You know, what what kind of helped you kind of find yourself and, and be confident and be like, I want to be engaged with this teacher who's uh, an anti-racist teacher and on my side. What kind of inspired you? Because I know that's hard, like given my experience, yeah. I know that's hard to come out because you have to sometimes call out your own friends and yeah. people who you've hung out with and who you've been really close with. But what helped you find that identity? Um, I think what helped me find that identity is I like history a lot, so I like to research yeah, history. Yeah, yeah. You got two yeah, history yeah. teachers right yep. here. History. Yeah, I love the history yeah, of the history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think researching history and like specifically African American and black history like helped me to find myself a little bit and then also to recognize like situations that are like unhealthy for me. Like why would I want to spend my time with people who like aren't doing anything to benefit me when I could be with like Terry where he's like constantly like looking out for me, looking people out for people who don't like respect me. you yep. and don't yeah, respect exactly. your humanity. They, Absolutely. Yeah, they the only thing they respect is like like a lot of people only respect people's blackness. They only yep. care that they're yep. black. They don't really care about the person they yep. are alongside that but I know Terry's like different and it's like other teachers help out with that and I think that's what helped me find my identity yeah 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 that's really incredible stuff I like what you said about your teacher helping you to find that identity right and I think teachers often forget that Mm -hmm. our students are are trying to find themselves through this difficult period of time and like the things we tell our students about their cultural backgrounds or we don't tell them about their cultural backgrounds impacts how they see themselves and their identity and who they choose to be or how you show up right and I think we always talk about is we want students to show up and I want you to be your authentic self I want you I want the same student we always hear this story oh he's a different student at home than he is at school or you know but really I think in a culturally responsive classroom the kids come to school and they are that I can be the exact same me that I am. I might be quiet at home. I can be quiet here. I may be loud and boisterous and wild at home. I'm yeah. wild and boisterous here. Yeah. But all of that stuff is who I am. It's my identity. And I think it's important for all teachers to help their students find that, especially our students yeah. of color. Yeah, mm-hmm. most definitely. Yeah. So, Micah, I had him the three years or two years? I think I think <laughs> no, yeah, you had Ralph Rapier. Right. So I had him for freshman AVID, and then uh, he took the, my race in the U.S. course, which is an ethnic studies course we offer, and I've been teaching the last three years. Um, but one of the things, and then my, I'm sorry to ask the question, but you know, like going into that for me as a white educator teaching an ethnic studies class, 
I see the necessity of it because 92% of our teaching force is white and we have zero educators of color in our social studies department wow. across our district. Yeah. Um, and so like, I'm not going to not let it get done, right? We're yeah. going to create that class. We're going to teach it. Um, but one of the ways that I really hope in that class to get around my own whiteness uh, is to make it an unclassroom, right? Like we watch sources, we resources, watch 13th, we do whatever, having these conversations. But like everybody in that room is an equal learner, including me, and I'll sit down. So I'm curious for you, like, you know, as, as a black man taking that class from a white guy. Um, and I, by that point, I had some your trust and that was good. <laughs> but like, what, what was it like to have an ethnic studies class when so many people don't have that opportunity at all? Um, I, that's like, like you say, you're like, you kind of, I can see that you're kind of like doubting yourself and like the view of maybe black people, you teaching this class. But like, that's one of the reasons I took it is because like, it's like, I, it's a great opportunity. Like a lot of people, like you say, don't get that opportunity. And so like, despite whether it's a white teacher or a black teacher, if a white teacher is teaching an ethnic studies class, then they're probably interested in it because mm -hmm. like teachers teach what they want to teach. So seeing that, that prompted me to do it. Oh, so I'm just interested in the subject, so I could do my own personal learning if you were bad. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to be bad. We, we uh, got to SeaTac Airport, and we were all sitting there waiting for the plane, and I looked down, and he's reading a book that looks like a heavy academic text. I'm like, man, you getting a start on that college course? It's like, no, it's just my personal reading. What book, what, what book was that, Micah? Uh, yes. um, I, it doesn't really have a title. It's just like a, um, a collection of documents from like African American people throughout the awesome. history of the United States. So like it awesome. details. It has a lot of details about primary sources for, yeah. for, That's it, for fun. Oh. Oh. For fun. You hear that? It has like a lot of details Students. about the Great Migration. Yeah, I see some of y'all following like, to the us. Reading this. Um, and everything <laughs> like that. And yeah. talks about like the socioeconomic um, change, like how a lot of Black people like went up north um, after Reconstruction and. To, to find new jobs and like it was like the promised land but there was still like a huge push even from like black people and white people in the south to stay there because yeah. yep. of how the economy like completely relied on the black workforce That's right. yeah, no doubt. for everything and so it, it was just, just interesting to read yeah it's just yeah. interesting to see how the pieces all fit together and to see how we're ended up here like one of my my favorite document i think i ever read was the willie lynch letter oh yeah yeah yep. yep lynch that's why lynching is yeah. called that yep. and this man basically detailed out how Americans should be racist and that's like it's literally the pocket handbook to like white racism yeah and how, how, you, how you maintain treat, power yeah, over a group of people power. despite mm -hmm. their superior numbers and yeah. despite the fact that it's a dehumanizing practice here's how you make right. them how do you how do you break, break down somebody and, yeah. and 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 keep them complacent in a system and we yep. see that you know uh, all the time and it helps you give you yeah. a solid understanding of the situations that we're in today. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Boots Riley was just up here, and um, one of the things he had said in the keynote, which I'm sure you two remember, was that hi history is not something that you can just recite. History has to be something that gives you a sense of urgency. It has to give you a sense of, this is how the pieces fit together. This is what landed us where we are yep. today. Yep. Um, and, and I think in that way, that's, that's where, um, I mean, Malcolm was the one that said of all of our studies, history is the best equipped to reward our research because you can't, you can't unlearn the lessons of history. That's right. You can't. You, once, once you see that stuff, you just can't unlearn it. No. You know, and you, I, I think, that's, <laughs> I, I think this, is, this is a prime example of why we need to take that study seriously yep. um, and apply it in all the same ways that we apply science and math and other things. Yeah, no. yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. Well, we should probably let y'all get on to the rest of the conference. Yes. Um, where can we access um, some of the resources you have or some of the resources that you 
uh, that you encourage to further these conversations? Yeah, so I think I got like 190 videos on YouTube that cover various topics, resources. Um, the primer is all there, all 10 principles. Uh, we're also, our local nonprofit organization is Educators for Justice at Bellevue Schools. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, um, you know, get to share a lot about the work that's going on, the struggle that's there, and a lot of student perspective as, as well. Yeah. So Terry Jess on YouTube. On YouTube, and, and just like uh, just like Caitlin said earlier, we are removing barriers to enlightenment. We are removing excuses. The That's stuff right. is That's out right. there, y'all. It is out there. Um, in this day and age, there's no excuse. Uh, Terry Jess, Micah Cruiser, thanks for being on. Thanks, here with fellas. Us today, thanks for thank you. Yeah, come awesome. by and see us again. Thank yes. you. Right. That's fun. <laughs> That's a highlight. That's a bucket Oh, <laughs> 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 it's warm.